Comspire, Communicate to Inspire. And today in this 47th episode of Comspire, we have Nawaz Hilowala. She is the course director and master trainer at Training Incorporated, a training and coaching consultancy based in Mumbai. And she has over 30 years of experience in training, coaching and facilitation. She has worked with a wide range of organizations and she has worked with companies like uh, Deuce Bank, Simons, Etihad Airways, Jet Airways, JSW Steel, Mahindra Finance, ILNFS, Mudra Group, Khetan & Company, Chaitan Total, JP Morgan. Oh my God, so many names. <laughs> I'm not going to take all of them, but she has really contributed a lot to many of the dignified companies. So, Nawaz ma'am, I first welcome you wholeheartedly to our 47th episode of Comspire, Communicate to Inspire. And I should just let you a little bit about uh, this platform. It is uh, designed to share the success stories of personalities like you. And it has always been a proud moment for me to meet and interact with such amazing inspirations of our society. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you, Anvama, for asking me and uh, inviting me to this session. I'm very excited about it as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's great. So, so much you have achieved. And uh, it's clear that in 30 years of your experience as a trainer, you have come a long way. Whom do you want to give credit to all these achievements? Um, I would definitely say first one of my teachers when I was in school. Um, I was extremely naughty and I was disliked by all my teachers en masse. Okay. Um, even, even I remember a new teacher walked into the class and she asked me my name and I said Nawaz and she just took off and attacked me. Oh, I've heard about you and you're rude and you're aggressive and you know that sort of thing and I was so taken aback and I realized then what sort of a relationship I'm creating for myself with my teachers uh, without any you know you're a child you're doing what you want to do etc but there was one teacher who um, you know I mean I would never get any respect definitely not I would never get any kind of positive feedback from them or any acknowledgement or appreciation and um, she, this teacher told me one day, she said, you know, Nawaz, I have never seen needlework, we were, you know, embroidery, as neat as yours. And it's mm -hmm. really brilliant. And then I started warming up to her and things. Then she made me do some um, speech and drama. And I gave a speech somewhere and I won a medal. And wow. I think she gave me, because I started retreating into a shell. And I think that was something that I, I'd really like to thank her for wherever she is in this world or the next. And the second person I think that has supported me a lot has been my husband. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, when my son was growing up, I used to go out, you know, go for courses. I'd go to England for two or three months. And uh, he'd be left here literally holding the baby. <laughs> but he's such a um, supportive human being and so un-Indian in the sense of the cooking, <laughs> yeah, I can understand. great pride in that. And I think that's, you know, without that, I would never be able. My mom would get angry. She'd say, stay at home, look after your son and husband, you know, stop working, what's the need? Right. But, I loved your word where you have stated with so innocence, very un-Indian. And I hope that all the <laughs> ladies can understand this thing. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I feel terrible for people who have husbands, you know, who don't even pick up a right. cup, uh, cup of... Uh, tea or put their plate back and they, you know, and I, I think you see their wives as glorified maids, they don't have to pay. Right. And that's another story, another interview. How <laughs> had many a couple nearly reach, you know, 
the courtroom because of my uh, so-called motivation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that was one. That's right. Even one. I am in that sort of drive where I also tell the ladies today when we say that you are fat, you are uh, like not looking so good. Look, it's up to me how I'm looking myself in the mirror. I don't need anyone else to tell me that whether I look fat or ugly or whatever. Absolutely. It's up Absolutely. to me. to take it if i am okay with this it's okay you are no one to tell me if you have accepted me in this me i am like that absolutely again the other point intuited a few of the husband they will say that you are okay you are so good i accept in whatever you are and outside they get someone who is much better than their wives so this is a thing very controversial thing but yes of course it does exist and i have also spoken a lot mm-hmm. for this it's it's up to you to look at yourself to love yourself I have myself been listening to that song Afreen Afreen and I feel like I'm singing for myself. I don't need anyone to sing it for Absolutely. me. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. So Nawaz as you said that uh, like your husband has always helped you a lot and because of that I guess that you have been certified by ICF <laughs> and then uh, this certified trainer yep. you know so uh, apart from NLP practitioner you have theater arts like done something in theater arts so you are theater arts trainer as well so how much like you moved into so many things and when you say that uh, you are not into giving motivational lectures but you love to train <laughs> love to deal with people so i think my whole learning or journey as a teacher trainer facilitator coach began when um, i was I, i used to be a theater you know i used to do a lot of plays in mumbai and um at that point i was working as a secretary and um i hated going to work and i complain every day so my oh. colleagues uh, who uh, were acting with me they recommended that i do this course uh, from the trinity college uh, wow. uh, for speech and drama so i started teaching right. <laughs> and i thoroughly enjoyed myself you know i spent instead of taking kids for one hour take them for two hours or three hours not realizing parents be waiting outside but they loved the fact that we were so engaged the kids were so engaged and from there began my journey and then i automatically started up skilling myself in more and more things and more you know and i then got into this um, i think i think it's very very important for all facilitators teachers trainers all professionals forget about right. it, to ensure that they upskill themselves once a year right very true the world is changing so dramatically and if we are not learning and if we're not moving with it then you will become a fossil <laughs> so i think it's extremely important you know that we we learn um, even upskill ourselves in all things like communication has changed so dramatically mm-hmm. um and then an, i got the opportunity also because uh, the british council has to you know work with them uh, as a consultant they sent me to england for uh, a course in creative teaching wow and uh, yeah it was it was you know sponsored all right through i was so excited and um, when i came back for about a year and a half two years i took workshops for schools through mcmillan publishers on creative teaching across wow. the western region of india and i thought i was on some sort of a you know calling and i was going to change the face of education in india and stop this rote method and things and i had lots of enthusiasm from the teachers and when i'd go back again after you know 6 months or a year they hadn't done anything not one thing 
And, you know, you keep getting feedback saying, oh, very nice, but obviously this won't work when you have a class of 92 students and stuff. So I used to get their syllabus and I'd work with their syllabus and show them how, you know, little ideas can make it creative. Right. I'd still have naysayers. So I used to get a whole class of children in, have the teachers sitting around observing them and take the session and, you know, show them how they can engage with the kids. Wow. I think, you know, as human beings, especially teachers, I'm sorry to say, I was a teacher as well. I taught in school as well. And I think it was very much like that. Very closed. Um, You know, you're under so much of your own pressure about completing your syllabus and, you know, doing all your paperwork and all of that, that you just don't have the mindset. And I think the most important thing is you already have the power. (laughs) As a teacher, you are in a position of power. The only person who has more power than you is the principal. Right. So power of the students, your power of the parents. So why bother? I think really became, you know, we just get very lazy about it. The majority of my friends are teachers or principals and I wish that they should listen to you and they should communicate with you regarding this. Because yes, as you said that in schools, teachers are the, like, uh, they have got all the powers apart from the principal. But unfortunately, I would again go into controversy, but unfortunately, teachers in our institutions today, they don't have all the powers. Like uh, they can't handle anything on their own. Syllabus, syllabus, syllabus. So syllabus is like a kind of Bible here and that is to be blindly followed. So I don't want the teachers to come to you first. First, the principals and the higher authorities should reach you. (laughs) Anupam has take workshops of principals, has take workshops of parents. Because the principals would would, uh, blame the parents. (laughs) And, uh, you know, because they're so competitive. Which is true. The parents are so competitive. Oh, mm-hmm. that's their learnings, you know, Hindi in the first standard. Why are you starting in the third standard? You know, <laughs> so the, all the adults are competing against each other and everyone forgets about the child, you know. And I think it is so, so, so sad. So right. I think that's what really I, I enjoyed, you know, getting the space of education. And then I sort of gradually uh, changed from, you know, teaching children to adults. It was actually because of the British Council again, when the call centres started, uh, they would get a lot of uh, inquiries about doing um, training, you know, mm-hmm. for the call centers in English and uh, correct pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And from there, I sort of moved on. Okay. I then uh, began on my own because, you know, I get lots of inquiries and slowly just sort of became a creature that had its own legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, before I knew it, I was a t- trainer, facilitator. And as I said, because I have to keep, you know, upskilling myself every year and trying to do one course at least. I did, I've done all sorts of strange things, you know. Like and something new that I have that I have seen on LinkedIn profile of yours about that uh, personal mapping workshop that you're conducting. Ah, so yes. I would request you to highlight a little bit and talk yeah. about what this personal mapping is and how it will be beneficial for each and every one of us. So, you know, um, it's based on DISC and we got uh, this connect- connection of Mapster on LinkedIn, in fact, again. Okay. Uh, Hella, who is uh, one of the directors there, he reached out to me and said, would you be interested in, you know, uh, taking this tool to India? And when minute he said DISC, I said, oh, no, 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 please, you've got enough DISC tools and I'm decertified. Everyone's decertified. No way is it going to work. But he said, just experience it and then let me know. So I did. And gosh, is it different. It is, it is such an amazing tool that, um, you know, out of all the certifications I've ever done, honestly, 
-hmm. I found this to be the most practical and applicable. So okay. uh, DISC, uh, for those of you who don't know about mm -hmm. it, really looks more the personality. Mm -hmm. Now the personality cannot be changed, right? right? But your behavior can be. Um, you know, who are you? What are you? And um, what sort of behavior do you show in different circumstances? And that's what. Um, so, that's, does it have to do anything with the emotional intelligence you are talking about? Like uh, when we are talking about personality mapping. No, no, it's not. But I think you know, in the sense of, are you empathetic? Would be part of the whole okay. personality. Okay. Just so, other characters that you require to deal with the other people. And you get a you get a physical map, a large okay. sixteen by fourteen foot mm. map. So once the COVID is over, all the participants can stand on it. And you, you can go on your own journey. You can decide mm -hmm. what behaviors you like, what wow. behaviors you don't like. And it's you're not put into a box. So this says that mm. you are a D, I, S, or C, right? Mm -hmm. Mainly, etc. Mm. This doesn't. It says, look, you have the tendency to be a D, I, S, C. But mm. open your eyes and look at what are the other aspects or strengths of the other you know, types and see if you want to imbibe that behavior. Right. And because it's so tactile and because you can get up and walk around and, you know, it's amazing. The second thing I think that's wonderful about it is if I have to give you feedback as, uh, you know, we're both standing on the map or if I'm looking at your map, it has a set of words, obviously. So it may say aggressive for you. Right? Mm. Now, I can tell you and give you that feedback where, and you wouldn't think it's so personally because I say, oh, well, interesting, Anupam, you have aggressive on your map. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, at times, you know, when ABCD doesn't happen, you do slip into that mode. Mm -hmm. So the map is allowing me to give you feedback without you taking it personally, because it's not Navas that's giving you that feedback. The map is. I'm just giving you instances where I per well, perceived that behavior. And perceived is another key word there. Because uh, it's my perception. Maybe, you know, you were on the phone and you had, uh, there was a, you know, something very serious happening at home and you're on the phone frowning and walk past and you nod at me like that. And I perceive it as being a rude nod and you're being aggressive. Mm -hmm. This is my perception, right? Because we don't have time to go to each other and say, okay, that day when you passed me, this happened, but what did it mean? <laughs> and you say, oh, I'm sorry, did I say it? I didn't mean that. Was, you know. So right. these perceptions. So it makes you look very deeply at your perceptions as well and makes you analyze it from what kind of perception are you creating for others? And how do you decode perceptions that you, that others create, you know, with you? Wow. So uh, it's, I really think, you know, and it really deepens conversations and it opens people up. You have people so I, I would be your next student for that. I really want to <laughs> learn. It is so intriguing that I, I want to be one of your students in that. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but go well, ahead yeah. what it is. <laughs> no, sure. Seriously, um, I, I'll... Tell Diana to get, keep in touch with you and tell you when I know next person mapping workshop. Yeah, sure, ma'am. So, uh, like, when we talk about this, uh, you have already helped so many people by now. So many companies we have seen. So, we can understand that how many people you might have helped by now. And you are really an expertise in your field. The way you are communicating, the way you are interacting, the confidence which is shown on your face, the way you are dealing with all these things. So... When you have got all these things, it's not. It is said that Rome is not built in a day. <laughs> all these things that you possess today has not been built in just one day. Thirty years. So, what has been the best achievement for you in these many years? That's very difficult. 
as far as teaching and training goes. But I think every time an old student of mine, I have, you know, students I taught in 1983. Wow. And they're all mummies and they want me to train their kids and, you know, things. Mm -hmm. um, when, I, when, when I know I've made a difference to people in their lives, that mm -hmm. they can, after so many years, still value uh, in reaching out to me. Um, even in my professional training in, in organizations, I've had people, you know, like I was talking to someone about um, within the training, you know, you don't just train, you talk about everything. It becomes, for me, professional training isn't just about you at work, it's it's you totally. individual. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I really can't remember what I said to this lady, but she actually took her son out of a school that he was in and put him in another kind of school which had less pressure and they moved the entire household across the city so they were closer to the school. And mm -hmm. uh, she called, you know, I met her in, in, in Deloitte a year or two later and, and she said, I have to thank you because uh, not only is my son happier, we're happier and he's, you know, blooming and things. And I thought, my God, you know, am I doing the right <laughs> thing? You know, okay, with her it worked. Mm -hmm. And I always tell all my teachers and trainers that no, it's not, it's not, uh, training is not um, a profession, it's a calling. Right. You have so much power in your hands, in <laughs> what you say and do. It can affect people very, very deeply, you know. And as I said, now, luckily for her, it worked, you know. And I right. thought, my God, supposing that backfired, supposing her son had got suicidal and her husband lost a job because they had to travel too far or some nonsense mm -hmm. like that. You know, really, it's such a wake-up call for you. Mm -hmm. But coming back to what are the good points, I think it's all these that for me, right. you know, really, really make a difference. <laughs> when people remember you, that means you've mattered to them. And so your words answer this thing, like as you said, that when you are with the people, you are not just for this professional training overall perspective of that individual which makes a difference so that's a great thing and that's why you are able to connect with them to such an extent like True. your student from 83 and she has connected <laughs> you so that's like yeah. a kind of blessing is of course Absolutely. being a teacher i can understand what is that feeling yeah, it's amazing i mean I, you know it's been over 30 years you can't say 30 years <laughs> um but um you know when i went to a hotel some years ago and there was this plump middle-aged lady with gray hair standing and uh, she was greeting us because one of those you know large mm. things in this the whole row mm. people and then she suddenly said miss miss kavita <laughs> that's what they used to call you miss and i said kavita who what when and i thought my god here's this middle-aged lady you know <laughs> and i taught her how old am i <laughs> and i think okay now's the time to take out you know my walking stick and my walker <laughs> <laughs> no not at all you look so young Oh, I am 35 and it feels like you are less than 35. The, way, oh, the no, kind of wives you are leading right now. Any interview you want forever. <laughs> <laughs> you, flattery will get you everywhere with me. <laughs> no, it's not flattery. Like uh, I won't be sharing the video, only the audio. Still, I can see you. I can see this figure. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Anupam. So, as you also stated, it more than 35 years, not even 30, that you have been gaining this experience throughout. And yeah. uh, it would have surely a lot of twists, turns, ups and downs. So, how do you reflect your overall experience, uh, whatever you had, whatever you have um, done throughout? So, you obviously get a lot of knocks and hits and, you know, as you're, as you're traveling through life. 
for me, I think the one thing that I'm known for as well, and I have naturally or consciously cultivated, I don't know, is my sense of humor. Okay. I, I try and laugh my way through life, literally. Oh. And even in the training room, um, I'm known for humor and people laugh a lot and, you know, so I call someone, hey, Mr. Smarty Pants, behave yourself for a, you know, <laughs> give you a whack. And then, so people laugh and of course they know that sometimes it backfires. I do have people complaining, saying that, you know. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that um, I think humor is something that helps to lift you back and put you back on your feet. If you don't see the funny side of things and, and also self-deprecating humor, it's right. you know, being able to laugh at yourself first. And I think that's why people like my humor because we're in the, in the sessions also my 90% of my humor, I'm pulling my own leg, you know, and then I pull everyone else's leg along with it. So if you don't have a sense of humor, you're very, uh, I find those people very difficult to get on with. Because they take life and everything you say literally and very seriously, which can get very, very difficult. So through all the twists and turns, look at the bright side, look at, you know, see the humor in it. I remember going to meet my cousin in hospital when he had a heart attack and um, I made him laugh, you know, sitting there making, made him laugh and his son came running in and said, don't make him laugh, don't exert him. I said, laughter isn't exertion, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's going to make him feel so much better. So I think that kind of cheerfulness, you know, that you can bring into the room, you, you should light up the room with your personality because you're happy. And everyone else gets happy. And as a facilitator, I know I have that ability. And I think people have, I find that they sort of, um, I always tell my trainers when I'm doing train the trainer programs that, you know, it's like you are a power pack battery. And <laughs> everyone in that room slots in and sucks the energy out of you. So you have to constantly be, you know, powering yeah. up. Yeah. Ensuring that you don't let that pace go. And you, you know, if, if you are in a high, Mm -hmm. Then you take people along with you. And as right. my Guruji said, uh, which I'll never forget, laughter lubricates learning. Yeah. And so I this is that so uh, energy source for you, this laughter, Absolutely. this humor. Absolutely. So do, do you think that there is any way, like people like me, who have been very serious throughout, and like when we meet people like you, then we understand, oh my God, we don't have such sort of thing which can ignite anyone. And then I surely started to be a bit funny, be trying to go for that uh, side as well. So in the morning, again, I will tell you that example of morning, I was cycling and mm -hmm. I was listening to that uh, song, Afarin, Afarin, and I felt like I'm singing for myself. And then... Uh, there is a line where the girl is not ready to listen to the appreciation for herself. She doesn't believe that she can be appreciated that much. And mm -hmm. each and every wording, I can't sing the whole song, tell you everything, but each and every wording of that song was telling like how much beauty is within. And we all keep on changing. Like that horror, that demon, that divine, everything is within on the same face. And I kept on ruminating and trying to find out all my ages that I can recollect. Right. And then I felt how I have behaved throughout. And I laughed at myself this whole heartedly. And that is a blessing. So I would request you just to tell that how can we be jolly all the time? As you said, you get that power back from this these sort of things. But how can we be humorous? It's almost, it's almost an impossible question to answer. Okay. You have to be in the moment. You have to see the opportunity in that moment. Wow. 
um, you know, and if, if I think if you have a natural sense of humor, then you can see um, the funny side of it, you know. Uh, I can't even actually just now think of an example to share with you where... Uh, Trevor Noah, I love all his uh, comments and <laughs> the way he... Like, he's a lovely man. Simple things. Like, just now you said a simple word. Live in the moment. Think yeah. about that moment and then you can see the beauty of that moment and then Absolutely. you can laugh at it. We Absolutely. keep on thinking about why this has happened and what will be the repercussion, what will be the consequences. And we forget to live in the moment. And maybe because of this reason, we don't enjoy it. Absolutely. I also think that what you were just saying, you know, don't let other people's opinion hmm. matter. You know, yes, no matter what you do, people are going to talk. Right. Um, I learned this the hard way when um, my sister, you know, when we were in Delhi, she was a, a real party goer and she was a real party animal. And my mum would insist that uh, everything that um, all the neighbors are talking and um, she would, you know, always uh, complain. Mm -hmm. And then when we went to uh, Vishakapatnam, at that point, she was uh, just the opposite. She changed and she became this very, very religious person. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wouldn't mix, she wouldn't go out, she wouldn't, you know. So people started calling her all sorts of strange names and, you know, like she was some weirdo. Right. I think so. And I was saying, mom, that was, I think, a real aha moment for me at that point. That, you know, people will talk no matter who you are and what you are. Hmm. You have to be what you want to be and be happy <laughs> with it. Right. And that's why I think honesty helps, you know. Uh, if you're honest and you can put your head on your pillow at night and sleep guilt-free, who cares what other people say? <laughs> Rightly stated, ma'am. And whatever you are saying, I'm able to reflect it on my own image. I used to be a very serious lady. I didn't coordinate much with the other staff members. I was busy reading myself, doing some of these stuff. And people considered me as a kind of proud lady, the one who is not involved with other things. I didn't used to laugh with them for all the petty jokes. But then I accepted myself that way. First, I thought, used to think that why they are not accepting me? Because I was not accepting myself the way I was. And when I started accepting, then everything was fine, like you said about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. Anyway, my mom's still never given up. She still thinks the neighbors uh, are more important than we are. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's again very Indian. I don't know very Indian. It is like a uh, kind yeah, of thing yes. cosmopolitan. Everyone believes in this thing. Like uh, they try to make their identity based on what others think. Absolutely. So, <laughs> again, now, we, we are merrier when we so don't I, think I about it. I would like to share one story with you that I share yes, in all my training programs based on this. Yeah, so this is from a book called Room with a View. Okay. And um, it's about this candle. So whenever mm -hmm. I see a candle, I remember this. That, so the, the story in Room with a View is, is, a, is a traditional Hindi movie where mm -hmm. this you know beautiful young girl has to marry this rich idiot. She falls in love uh, mm -hmm. or starts falling in love in the book, in the book with this not so rich and mm -hmm. unacceptable, socially unacceptable uh, you know, boy. And towards the end of the book, she's running away from the man she loves to marry the idiot. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, Hindi film style, she mm -hmm. bumps into the father, the man that she loves. And he mm -hmm. gives her this big Gyan Goli. And what he said really changed my life as a 12-year-old. He said, mm -hmm. remember when you're born, it's like you are a lit candle. And like every candle, you will always, always throw light. 
and you will always, always throw a shadow. You and I have no control over that. The only control we do have is where to throw that shadow. Chiking, a light bulb went off in my head and I realized that when we're trying to please everyone, we lose who we are. Every decision you make in life, taking this interview for now, you know, there's someone unhappy with you. You haven't cooked the food. You go down for doorbells. <laughs> someone is going to be upset with you. Right. Everything we do in life. You have to make sure that you can't please everyone. And so every decision you make, you've got to just make sure that you're making it for the right reasons, not self-gain, self-worth. And then people who are unhappy with you, I'm sorry. It's not my intention, but that's life. <laughs> and I always tell them that's why I use less hair dye. Because I, I don't again. Take things so seriously and let be, let it go even when we get feedback you know for our training programs and maybe there's a program or two that hasn't gone well you know we have to let it go it our intent was not to mess things up or the trainer's intent was not to mess it up there's no point you know del delving on it and you know it just it just gets you down so let go that's really a brilliant thing. Let it go. And uh, you don't need to focus about what all other people are thinking. You just have to think what you are doing and that's it. You can't stop the shadows. You can't throw light yeah. everywhere. So true. You can decide where you want that shadow to fall. That is in your control. So true. You decide who you're going to make unhappy, unfortunately. And, you know, say la vie, move on. <laughs> so you're already doing this uh, responsibility of yours as an Indian, as a countryman, as a professional. So you are doing your duty in that. We're trying, Anupam. We're trying. Yes. We've even, you know, as an organization in COVID, you know, firstly, being a small organization, not having such a large bank balance, etc., or having the skills that we can use directly in COVID. We even launched uh, something called Training for a Cause, where we've okay. invited organizations, uh, where we will do free training for them without cost on mm -hmm. any topic. Well, we've got a list of topics and, uh, you know, any level that's not a problem and then the proceeds of that can go directly to concern india so we've tied up with them and uh, the company can decide what they want to pay for the training program whether it's five rupees or 20 lakhs and mm -hmm. uh, donate that directly concern india does a lot of projects you know they're working in the COVID field with police mm -hmm. and children this that you know a lot of things yeah. a lot of non-COVID related stuff which they've been doing over the years children's education women's upliftment etc so the organization can, you know, decide. So Contribute we are to them. one or two companies and hopefully that will take off. But as far as, you know, I think we all need to do our bit, <laughs> whether it's in the environment or it's helping people. Otherwise, then I feel too guilty. Like I'm just taking, taking, taking. And, you know, it's not a nice feeling. That's great. You are also contributing to the society in this manner, as you have specified. And that's great. That's all great. You have to. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a kind of inspiration we all must take. We all try to, like it said that even single penny you're contributing in the Absolutely. name of a gift to society. That's it. You have solved your purpose. Something I can share with you is when we used to go to hill stations as a child, my mum would walk around, you know, with a bag full of money, buying all this rubbish from all the vendors sitting on the footpath, you know, <laughs> all these rubbish things, you know, little mm -hmm. wooden toys and mm -hmm. fans and all sorts of, no one would use it, no one would, and my dad would get mad, you know, he said, what are you doing? She said, and I think I've learned this from her then. She's saying, but don't you see, this is the season time. If people, tourists don't buy things from them, how are they going to support themselves in winter? 
<laughs> no, so she, this, this is and her way of donating. And yeah. I thought it was such a lovely idea. And I, I think after that, I realized that, you know, people who are paupers literally hmm. and selling things, there's no point haggling with them and saving five paisa on your and onions or tomatoes or whatever. Because mm -hmm. it means so much to them and it hardly means anything to us. So anyway, I've gone <laughs> off on a tangent. That's it's a simple thing. Whatever we can do, we can just... Uh, yes, help people around you everywhere yeah. you can. How do you spend your free time? Like you, you go to well, some places like this or listen to songs, watch movies, play, read books. What do I'm you glad, do? I'm really glad that this is uh, a video or just an audio, it's, you know. Uh, and you're not sharing video and I'm also glad that even the video you can only see the top bit of me because I'm a total couch potato. <laughs> Under my shoulders I go round completely in every direction. <laughs> so I love watching movies. I'm a complete movie buff. I can sit for 8 to 12 hours and drive my husband nuts. <laughs> and, and Netflix and all don't help at all because right. you know, obviously you can binge watch and that's exactly hmm. what I I love food. I love traveling. And that's another thing. But just before the COVID, when I set up my organization for about eight years, I didn't travel, didn't take a holiday. And then I realized life is passing you by. You know, what's the point? So the last five, six years, I can't more. I've made it a point. We've gone on a holiday every year, you know, mm -hmm. in a long one, like at least four weeks uh, or two weeks minimum. And I think mm -hmm. that that really is something that re, you know, everyone knows that rejuvenates you, recharges mm. you, opens you up to everything. So that I think is really important. Um, reading. I was, I have to say, I'm no longer, I was a very avid reader. I used to, people would laugh because I drive reading. It sounds strange. <laughs> I, I, a friend of mine, you know, called me up once. Navas, I saw you on the road and you were reading a book while you were driving. Are you mad? I said, don't worry, don't worry. So I put the book in my on my steering wheel mm. and we go through traffic in Bombay, right? Mm, right. <laughs> so every time I press the brake, my eyes would read. And mm. when I, you know, release the brake, I'd look up. It was so simple. I had to finish books mm. like that. <laughs> I used to love reading. I used to, you know, but unfortunately... Mumbai traffics have helped you. Helped me, yes. <laughs> yeah, but then I don't know. I think I've just got so busy. And also it's a question of mind space. So there's so much noise in my head now. When I do try and read, unless I'm on holiday, mm -hmm. I kind of read three or four pages and I can't remember what I've read. So what I've switched to now is audible. I've become a complete audible junkie. <laughs> and I am listening to, you know, I go off my walks, I'm listening to the story, I'm pottering around, I'm doing my housework, cutting onions, I'm listening to audible. So bugging everyone because my headphones are plugged in and I'm not <laughs> listening to anyone else. And I get very annoyed when this you know, really charged moment in Audible. Someone says, where is the soap? And I say, oh, shut up. You know, <laughs> a dangerous mission is going to fall off a cliff and you ask me where the soap is. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's me. Wow. So audiobooks, yes, of course, uh, that I'm also kind of auditory learner as well as uh, more into auditory. And that is the reason I have come up with this Comspire. <laughs> okay. It's a very good idea. Congratulations, really. Thank I you. People are, you know, I always feel you asked me in the beginning, you know, why am I not a motivational speaker and things. So I, I don't know. I just feel 
that you know do i or do does anyone else really have the wherewithal or the authority to be able to stand up in front of a whole group of people and lecture them about something and try and motivate them to i don't know do mm. a b c d i think everyone has to find their own path and i don't think it should happen more naturally i i don't know i i'm totally against this sort of if people ask me to give motivational speeches i say okay <laughs> it's just not me i can do a motivational workshop in the sense of you know but lecturing people <laughs> lecturing is a kind of mom like majority people are sitting and then you have to just give something to them i guess I that is what is considered as motivational lecture or something and workshop and all you make people get engaged with whatever you are doing you show them rather than just giving them through speeches and examples very true very true so i like people to you know participate it i like to like it to be a two way dialogue not a one way monologue you know you know ma'am that is the initial stage what we talk about no motivational lectures and all we have gone far beyond that so you don't need to be in that motivational lecture phase. i don't like, know about that those who start those who start as a coach i have met so many coaches in my own experience of meeting people so many trainers and i have seen like they all start by giving those sort of lectures and then gradually when they are giving the lectures they learn from the people whom they are meeting or, or whom they are attending to and that they realize in their workshops and yes of course that's high cost thing that i mean i don't know about that but i know i can talk for myself that i think every training workshop that i have attended um, i've conducted i have learned something yes. you know every workshop it's amazing what insights you know people can give you and um, that's why you know i love my work i think my work is my hobby i think i'm very few people who can say that mm. um i just thoroughly enjoy it people ask me do you miss theater and i say not really because i have a captured audience in front of me and i'm still <laughs> i'm still you know acting so when, when you have taken so many workshops ma'am and uh, they are all of different people i guess if from different scales of life people are coming to you take trainings so what is one basic thing that you ask each one of them in every of your session self esteem i think that's what my main focus is uh, like my story about the candle as well be yes, who yes. you are and that's it don't try and become what other people want you to be that's so how do you define self esteem like i have seen many people talking about self esteem they have different opinions so i think i'm self confident Right. I'm very very comfortable talking to anyone at any level. Mm. I've seen people, you know, when they suddenly meet a celebrity, they go like, you know, and start. <laughs> so I am right. a celebrity and I've been very much in control of myself because I know I have self esteem. I mean, I am of course enamored by meeting you know all these famous people, um, but it doesn't mean that I I find that I don't belong or I'm I'm nothing. <laughs> I think what Sadhguru may be talking about is when the self-confidence becomes aggressive, hmm. where you sort of try and impose your opinion on people. I'm so confident about this, you know, and I hmm. say, "Okay, I'm so confident the T-shirt you're wearing is rubbish, you know, go change it." <laughs> I'm so confident the holiday you're going on is rubbish, cancel it. I'm so confident. So it, that kind of confidence is aggression for me. But yeah. I think the self-esteem and self-confidence I try and focus on. is being comfortable with yourself and who you are 
I think that is really yeah, self-defining. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, you've got to be like a rock of Gibraltar. You'll find that, you know, tsunami waves will hit you and, you know, you can't keep caving into it. You know, so some people, I mean, so in fact, when I was teaching children, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I found that in India, our kids try to please adults so much. They're so, you know, so important. They say, Miss, what kind of, what do you drink? Um, you know, and I would ask them, what do you want to drink, Pepsi or Coke? They say, what do you like? I say, I say, Pepsi. Okay, then you. I say, but no, it's not what I want. It's what do you want? <laughs> You know, and trying to inculcate that sort of self-confidence in them to make their own decisions and yeah. not feel that what they're making as a decision is wrong. I think we all need to do that with all our children mm-hmm. and everyone we talk to. So even adults, they're people who, who refuse to share an opinion uh, until it's validated by someone they have more respect for. So they, they have to first respect themselves. You know, whatever I like and I want, of course, you can have evil people. That's another thing. You know, you have baddies in this world. Uh, you know, Hitler went and killed six million people. I'm not saying be that self-confident. Obviously, when I'm talking about, I'm talking about a normal human being with a good nature and not mm-hmm. someone who's a villain. We'd have a different conversation with a villain. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I am looking at your logo. Yeah, training incorporate. Earlier also, I saw that incorporated it. Is it incorporate or incorporate? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. So it's very strange. See, um, uh, it's really a play on words because we are training in corporates. Yeah. And inc- incorporated is also. Yeah, right. Okay, great. So lots of people say, what do you do? I say, you know, um, I train corporates. And what's the name of your company? Training in corporate. No, no, I understand what you do. But what's the name of your company? Something it is. That's what I do, and that's the name. <laughs> My son thought of it, and I thought it was very clever. So we sort of, and mm-hmm. even the logo, the eye is in the. Yeah, scene, that's that's the right. <laughs> so you have defined everything, like the logo as well as what you want yeah. to tell. Just now, I was talking with a graphologist, and she said the same thing. Your logo is also very important. The way you talk about yourself to the people is your logo. And that also helps you to get success in your uh, company or whatever you are going after. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I will shift a little bit to something different, something oh. general. <laughs> like uh, one question which has always intrigued me. And I am asking you this because you have a lot of experience in dealing with people. And uh, you have dealt with all the kind of people like cruel people, <laughs> very negative, pessimistic people, all the sort of people. And uh, like uh, some of the stories that we have heard about Anguli Mal, who transformed into uh, Valmiki. <laughs> and then uh, there are many Ashoka story in which Ashoka looks at the dead bodies of the people and then he is transformed into Buddhist. Mm-hmm. So uh, then there are many more which right recent examples if we talk about uh, Taliban, Osama, Kasab. So there are so many cruel people. But generally only few people are there who are transformed and they understand that what they were doing was wrong but those who don't understand they they keep on hiding their mistakes even though it is obvious like i am doing my best like osama will say that what i have done is all for my religion i'm not doing anything wrong kasab said the same so why do these people don't understand and it's even in personal life we have people like them yeah I think it's it's the whole uh, makeup of the person. 
the belief system, the values that have been in, incorporated and inculcated into them as they've been growing up. Um, where, you know, if I take a very simple example, which may help you. Um, in, in Africa, uh, there's a tribe in Africa where the women have the most beautiful white, even teeth. You know, like Binaka smiles or Colgate yeah. smiles all the way. But no man will marry them until they uh, file their teeth to look like sharp, you know, sort of ugly, sharp Vs, mm. you know. And when you look at them now, you think they're monsters. And you say, oh, my God, you know, shut your mouth. I don't want to look at your teeth. They look so ugly. Mm. But for the men in that tribe, now the woman looks beautiful. Okay. You know? So it's like one man's food, another man's poison. <laughs> You know, people have their own belief system. And it's like, you know, if you were talking to a British thing when India was fighting for her freedom and we did things mm. like kill people, uh, you know, they think that we're awful and we think they're awful. Um, I, I just think that unfortunately human behavior is going to just stay like that. We're always going to have times and places and people when you can't... Um, see it in the right form. I, I don't know if I'm making sense. What do I mean by that? Um, so like, let's say Kasab, for example. Mm -hmm. He strongly believed, I'm sure, because yeah. he was going to give up his life for it. Mm -hmm. That what he was doing was right and he needed to attack India and bring her down for his mm -hmm. own country and his own. Now, that's a belief that, you know, if you're standing on that side of the fence, there's so many people who would laud him for it. Hmm. But actually, you know, for us, he was evil, hmm. you know, and um, there are people like that, like Hitler. I, I can't give them, I can't excuse them because, their perception, right. hmm. because it's their perception and they think they're doing right. Hmm. But I think the minute your own value system starts harming others, right. then I think you become, you step into that realm of evil or bad hmm. or a villain. Um, I can, you know, do whatever I like. But the minute I get physical, I, I, I verbally also, if mm -hmm. I attack you verbally or physically, then I think you're wrong. And okay. the only way this can be changed is by people just teaching others to be empathetic. You okay. know, understand and be more, then you wouldn't ever do that. You wouldn't become a villain. Because though I'm a Parsi or a Hindu or a Muslim or whatever, you know, mm. or I'm a Bengali or a Maharashtra, no you realize the other person has as much right and you have to respect that right. Right. So we can just inculcate that. I'm not saying take away your own um, traditions or values or system, hmm. you know, customs. Teach but them. But give respect to others. Don't, yes. uh, yeah. Not at the cost live, of others. Uh, live and let sense. live. Live and let live. But right. people who don't let other people live, that I think is, is you know, whether you're throwing a stone at someone or you're slapping someone or you're Whatever, you're, you're stepping into their world and then you become bad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we had a neighbor uh, who used to be very strange, you know, uh, I won't use his name, but um, he, he used to be very aggressive. And people were very scared thinking they're, you know, dakus and decoys. Mm. And we had this whole history behind them. But he used to sit outside our window, you know, and I'm on the ground floor, put his music on his car full blast. Mm. So it was like this loud music. We couldn't even talk, you know, it was that loud. <laughs> if you went to tell him anything, he'd get very aggressive and, you know, like go to hit you and things like that. Mm. 
and especially with my husband's son. So one day I went out and I just stood there and I said, I was just talking to him very calmly and I said, look, I understand you may be feeling something currently and you're trying to help yourself by playing this loud music. You know, I just kept talking to him like that and I'm sure it's helping you. But um, I wonder if you could think about it. So I wasn't um, fighting with him. I wasn't, I was just trying to make him think. Hmm. So he put the music off because still aggressive. He says, stop asking me questions and go away and don't think because you're a woman. Hmm. He put the music off and left. Hmm. So, you know, I I think I made that much of a difference. And I, you know, but the point is that I think that's the only way you can treat people who get into that space. Try and communicate. Don't um, try and stop them directly. But if they think and if they're logical, if they have a brain, they will think logically. And hopefully they will see for themselves that their behavior is not right. The words of wisdom, really, I could say that, like, uh, you should treat someone, as you said, that you should be empathic to them. Yeah, you know, you know, no matter what, though, I don't know if I'd have the patience or be empathetic to someone who's a rapist or a child Mm -hmm. molester, or, you know, I I wouldn't take a knife and stab him. Right. Uh, I don't it know if I feels like know. that. Yes. I've never been in that situation, but I think when they're that kind of extreme, I don't know. Yeah. Life had, luckily hasn't taken me there yet, and I hope it never does for me to test my hmm. <laughs> ideas. I hope that all the women, I guess not just women, those who have got hard, those who get pain when they see such sort of things, they all feel the same. We should either burn them alive. <laughs> stab them brutally or do some sort of thing which will never let them i speak very aggressive and as you live in delhi and you know as a child mm-hmm. a young lady rather and i was you know very very aggressive the locals in delhi they keep coming attacking you and hitting you and molesting you and pinching you and all that you know i would run after them catch them punch them kick them throw stones at them you know, they'd get aggressive first, they'd get shocked and they'd get aggressive. But I would, I'd be so angry, I would never be frightened. And people say, you're mad, you'll get beaten up, you'll get stabbed. And I say, how dare he come into my space? Who, you know, <laughs> what nonsense and I will not take this line down. So, Somehow yeah. I'm uh, looking at an image of myself, I don't know why. <laughs> I look at myself, uh, like at your place after some time. Maybe <laughs> that might it be too much, but I really feel like there because I have been like you for so long. I've always been. So right now in Mumbai, you know, those boys, young boys, and they make that sort of sound from their bike. And for them, it is music. So one day it was raining very hard. We were in, in traffic and this man was doing the same beside our auto. So I was on my uh, I was on a call and I was interacting with my father I stopped I said just for a moment and I shouted at that man <laughs> shouted with like, like patiently I shouted first the bit of what are you doing you see that how it is uh, affecting us we will be deaf after some time <laughs> and then he started grooming again and again and then I was very much agitated and I said I will just throw you away <laughs> <laughs> and my father was listening he said stop it you don't know you are alone what he can do to you yeah, yeah. but that's the whole thing you know i think uh, we as women in india are constantly not doing things because we're afraid for our own safety 
Right. And there again, my husband has supported me and has to do call center training, has to come home at two o'clock, three o'clock, and then drive self-driven, uh, you know, from all sorts of weird places like New Bombay and stuff. And I've never been frightened. I'm not going to let some other, some idiot or idiots rule my future and the way I want to live life. And there's so many people who no, no, it's got dark, don't go out now, don't do that. Don't do that. Of course, if I lived in a place like Delhi, then I think, Unfortunately, I would bow down to that because, you know, it's really bad. One, one simple example based on this, I will tell you, ma'am. Just now, I have gone to a skin Nawaz. specialist. Uh, Nawaz. <laughs> I have gone to a skin specialist and uh, there uh, I had got some rashes. He said that it is because of sunlight. I said, I don't go into sunlight anymore. So he said, those who don't go, they get more often these sort of things. Because you are not habituated to that sunlight and your skin is not getting that. So, you know, remember when we were kids and afterwards also, don't go in sunlight, you will get sunstroke or you will get such sort oh, of you skin rashes. Ah, you, you will get that. Who will marry you if you are? That is, that is <laughs> you according to the skin specialist. It will help your skin strengthen, get strengthened and then you won't get such sort of problems. So, similarly, as you said, that when you start acting in such petty incidents, then you get so much powerful that you are ready to attack anyone later on. Like I feel so confident sometimes right now for two years we have not gone to office and have not returned so late. But we used to return at 9 p.m. I used to return home by 9 p.m. And in Mumbai, like Mumbai side it is a bit crowded. But in Panvel side uh, there is not so much of crowd. And mm. it's a kind of desolated place. And women don't walk much. So rarely a few women are there. And I'm, I always have a knife. And I'm ready. If someone oh, says, I think that, uh, yeah, that spray, uh, is very yeah, good. spray is also there. Which my friends also said, rather than knife, it will take time to take out the knife, but it will take seconds to use that pepper spray. Pepper spray yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, being sensible, taking precautions as you are, but live life. Right. Don't say, oh, no, no, I won't, and I can't go out after four in the <laughs> So you were talking about like we. We need to reflect based on what kind of personality we have in front of us. If they are such negative and they are not ready to budge a little bit, it's okay. I will either leave away, leave from there or else if that retaliation is required, I won't stop. I won't shut my mouth when I need to speak up. And I think you need to decide, you know, is it worth it? Do you want to? Because it takes energy from you. You know, <laughs> does that person matter to you to sit down and try and empathize right. with them? If not, as you rightly said, walk away. Even at work, you find people, how are you today? Oh, you don't know. And this happened and that happened. They're all the time moaning and whining. And Just walk away. Don't let them right. infect you. You don't have to empathize with them. You don't have to try and see their perspective. You don't have to try and change them because they're constant whiners. So, yeah. Uh, Ma'am, like, uh, you might be gratitude for <laughs> Nawaz. Like, you, you might be filled with so much of gratitude for whatever things you have right now. If God comes to you, for what thing you will show the gratitude to him that you feel like it's the best thing he has gifted you with? Gifted me with? Yeah. <laughs> um, my sense of humor. Wow. <laughs> Great. I would definitely uh, join your workshop to get that thing because that <laughs> is lacking in me and I want to <laughs> work on that. So <laughs> that's great. And uh, I have already asked you so many questions by now. 
So any question that you think would have been very important and uh, I couldn't ask till now. I have missed that. So can you please highlight on that? Mm, I can't really think of anything at this point. I <laughs> very thorough. <laughs> In fact, I've said things I didn't even plan on sharing. So. <laughs> so thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you so much for okay. your time. And uh, it was a wonderful interaction. The way you have communicated, you have inspired me a lot. And I hope all our listeners are also getting a lot of inspiration and goosebumps from your small <laughs> points that you have stated in between. Thank you. At the end, I would request you to share any three values and lessons for our listeners that you think one should never compromise for anything. So I'm going back to what I've talked about already. Self-esteem, yeah, empathy and honesty. Wow. So in three and words, you have conveyed three, everything. These three for me will help manage your life and let you sleep comfortably at night. <laughs> honesty with yourself and honesty with the people around you both. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Nawaz. Thank, thank you, you so much for all your time. It was a wonderful moment pending with you. And I hope to be connected throughout. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.